You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. I'm Tom Oldfather, NYSAC's Communications Manager. Today we're happy to be joined by Terry Carroll, Chief Sustainability Officer for Tompkins County, to talk about how his county is working to reduce carbon emissions by transitioning to electric vehicle fleets. Terry recently wrote an article for the climate issue of the NYSAC News Magazine on the topic of fleet electrification, which you can find on the NYSAC website at nysac.org magazine. Terry, thank you for joining us for this conversation today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So to start us off, can you tell our listeners a little bit about Tompkins County, uh, where you're located in the state, what some of the key industries are, and just what makes Tompkins County unique? Yeah, uh, so Tompkins County is in the Finger Lakes. So we're at the bottom of Cayuga Lake, uh, one of the, you know, the second largest Finger Lake, I believe. Uh, our county seat is the city of Ithaca. And so uh, a lot of folks will know us for, you know, our academics. You know, we're the home of three colleges and universities. We have uh, Cornell University, one of an, an Ivy League institution, uh, Ithaca College, a, a fantastic, uh, you know, school known for, you know, performing arts, journalism, and then our, our local community college that we share with Cortland, Co- uh, Cortland County, which is the Tompkins Cortland County Community College, TC3. Um, you know, outside of that, you know, it's, um, you know, we're pretty rural, you know, a lot of agriculture, a lot of small town, you know, tourism is a big thing here as I, you know, think it is for much of the Finger Lakes. Um, so some fantastic wineries, fantastic breweries and, uh, you know, farm to table restaurants, uh, a lot of that good stuff. Great. So in your article, you wrote about the county's transition to electric vehicles and a commitment to move towards a net zero emissions. And it's a really impressive story. Um, I wondered if you could walk us through how Tompkins County's EV infrastructure and fleet fleet plan came to be. Like, how did that get started? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, the county has been involved in climate issues for a long time, you know, long before I was with the county. Um, you know, we did our first greenhouse gas inventory, you know, probably over a decade ago now and have continued to, to take a look at it and, and, you know, update it periodically. And one of the things that we've continuously seen is, you know, the emissions impact from our vehicles. And so it was, you know, a few years ago, there was a concerted effort to start thinking about, okay, how can we, you know, start to reduce the amount of emissions that are coming from our vehicle fleet? And, you know, what that started was, you know, first this look at, you know, gasoline efficiency. How can we make sure that we're getting the most miles per gallon? You know, we had an early uh, green fleet policy that was, you know, telling people to, you know, start buying hybrids essentially and making sure that we're looking for, you know, smaller vehicles that got better gas mileage. And then, you know, as technology progressed and we got to this point where we were able to start seeing more and more electric vehicles come on the market, they weren't prohibitively expensive to the point where we couldn't, you know, justify the expense over a normal vehicle. You know, we started to make that transition as well. So, you know, one of the first things that that really started it out for us was there was a you know two different things that happened. One was we became a clean energy community, a, a designated clean energy community, and we were one of the first in in our region, in the southern tier, and so that awarded us a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar grant. And with that grant, we you know used a portion of that money for a, a different program that we're really proud of called the business energy advisor program but a lot of the money we put towards our vehicle fleet and we basically said okay we're going to take this pot of money and we're going to use it to offset the increased cost to go to an electric vehicle 
And what that led to was us starting to buy our first electric vehicles. You know, our, our county administrator at the time, Joe Mariani, you know, was was pretty confident in where the technology was going. He asked a couple of departments to test out some plug-in hybrids. You know, and so we used a mixture of funding to, to buy plug-in hybrids. I think the first ones were some Chevy Volts. Um, you know, the, the different departments started using them. We were getting really positive feedback. And so we started to buy electric vehicles, fully electric vehicles. And so our department started piloting, you know, fully electric Nissan Leafs. And it really just took off from there. So that was a big piece of it. Going along with this, we started working with a consultant named Energetics. And they were working with us to basically take a comprehensive look at our fleet and say, hey, you know, what vehicles make the most sense? What kind of infrastructure are you going to need? And so that really provided us with what we call the green fleet framework that we really operate under right now. And, and that framework lays out, you know, if you're replacing a passenger vehicle that, you know, normally does, you know, about 20 miles a day or 50 miles a day, this is what it should convert to. Or if you need a van, this is what it can convert to. A truck, this is what it can turn to. And you know, really took a look at our different locations where we're housing parts of our fleet and said, you know, this is what we think the infrastructure you're going to need is. And here are some, you know, opportunities, grants, funding, you know, you name it that you can take a look at. So those two things together really started us on our journey and, and are kind of propelling us forward. Great. I remember in the in the article, um, you know, and you mentioned it just now that the health department was sort of the guinea pig for the conversion to an electric fleet. Um, can you elaborate a little bit on what that experience was like and what some of the lessons learned were from that experience and, and uh, just some things you learned along the way? Yeah, I, you know, I don't think we can speak highly enough about our, our health department, especially in this time of, of COVID. But you know, when it comes to electric vehicles, they've, they really have been a, a tremendous leader, not only for the county and our different departments, but also for, I think, our community at large and for a lot of other places around the state. You know, as I said, they were one of the first to take in these plug-in electric vehicles. And so, you know, they got these vehicles, they started testing them out. And, and what we quickly realized in an early lesson for us was that the infrastructure needs that we had at the public health building just kind of weren't meeting what we necessarily needed. And in order to, to meet the needs, we were gonna need a bunch of charging stations and the electric service that we already had at the building just wasn't enough. And so we ended up having to work with our local utility, um, NYSEG, to basically bring in new service and put in 16 you know, outdoor chargers that are on pedestals to service the, the fleet. And it was serving not only what we had at that time, but what we envisioned you know, you know, getting to it at a certain point, you know, once the fleet was fully electrified. And so, you know, the expense, um, you know, the technical details, I think these were all, you know, early lessons for us to learn, you know, what is it going to look like to have outdoor charging? You know, where are we going to put it in the parking lot? What kind of service is it going to happen? How do we make sure that random people aren't going and plugging in their vehicles? And so, a lot of that was contributing to our knowledge basis that's letting us make decisions now when we start to look at our other buildings that are going to undergo these same situations. You know, from the vehicle standpoint, you know, it was pretty remarkable. You know, when we first started getting these vehicles, people were, um, they were nervous. You know, it's a lot of people had never driven an electric vehicle before. And so especially when we started to get these first electric vehicles, I think the health department did, you know, some really smart things by giving employees opportunities to just go out, you know, check out the vehicle, walk around it, sit inside of it, maybe drive it around the parking lot a little bit, you know, instead of just saying, you know, handing somebody the keys and say, all right, you know, go, go do your job. You know, there was, there was a period of training and, you know, allowing people to be comfortable with it. And, 
you know, no one was ever forced to go out and take an electric vehicle, you know? And so, but I think what happened was slowly over time, people started driving them, they were testing them out. And it got to the point where, you know, it went from them being, you know, just a couple of vehicles, niche vehicles that people would take occasionally to, you know, if it's available, that's the vehicle that I want to take. And we got to the point where suddenly the department's telling us, you know, we don't want to buy something that's not a fully electric vehicle. These have been great for us. You know, the maintenance costs are reduced. You know, they're not out of service, you know, as much as our other vehicles. They're more comfortable. There's, they're just seeing tremendous benefits for doing it. And so, you know, it's, it's great, you know, as for me, as the chief sustainability officer, I don't have to tell people like, you got to do this. They're telling me, no, we want to do this. And that's something I think is, has been really tremendous to, to see. And I think it's, you know, starting to become infectious with some of our other departments. And I, th I think you mentioned this uh, briefly, but, you know, were there concerns over range um, and how did you determine, you know, which particular departments that, you know, EVs would work for or ones that might not at the present time? Uh, just how, do, how did you go about determining uh, that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially at the beginning, there was definitely range anxiety. And I think to a certain extent, it still exists, you know, in pockets of our, of our government today. Um, you know, I think that's part and parcel why we started off with the plug-in hybrids, you know, is that they allowed you to have some of that electric range, but also, you know, have the, the gas to, to fall back on in case you were going too far. You know, from there, we jumped to these, these Nissan Leafs that had a smaller battery. You know, the range was maybe about 100, 150 miles, um, you know, on a full battery, depending on, you know, summer or winter season. And, you know, departments were testing these out and realizing, you know what? you know, we're, while we're not a small county geographically, you know, we're still not traveling, you know, 200 miles a day. You know, our, our typical, you know, range in a day might be, you know, 15, 30, 50 miles. That's easily allowing us to, you know, drive all of that, come back, plug in overnight, and it's ready to go the next day. So I think that that really, you know, that experience that health department and some of the other groups were going through helped out the other thing I would point to is we installed in a bunch of our vehicles uh, a device is called telematic devices, which basically, you know, plug into the vehicle and, and read the, the sensors and, um, you know, just give you a ton of information. And basically what we're able to do is, you know, see the trips that people are typically taking and saying, you know, this vehicle in the last month hasn't taken a trip that's more than 30 miles you know, we're easily going to be able to cover that with, you know, vehicle XYZ, you know, or, you know, talking to the departments, you know, saying, what do you typically do with this and trying to understand their use cases? You know, we're still contending with the issue of we have departments that have to go to Albany, you know, and, and right now it's not a, a big deal because if they need to go to Albany and they're worried about finding charging stations along the way, we still have enough, you know, gas vehicles, plug-in hybrids, regular hybrids that they can just take one of those or, you know, and go on their way. When we someday get to a fully electric fleet, you know, I'm hoping that the charging infrastructure is in place so that they can feel confident that when they go, they're going to be able to stop, you know, halfway, you know, in Oneonta or somewhere like that and be able to charge their vehicle and, and not worry about it too much. But it's certainly something we still think about. So just out of curiosity, um, for Tompkins County, a, a county of your size, um, do you, what is the total fleet size? Like how many vehicles are, you know, approximately are in the fleet? And then, you know, how many of those are now electric versus traditional? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, including a lot of vehicles that, that aren't able to get 
electrified at this point, you know, our plow trucks and, um, you know, fire trucks at the airport, things of that nature, I think we're in the 170 to 180 range, you know, so we're not on the scale, you know, I've had conversations with New York City that have, you know, 3,000, 6,000 vehicles, you know, they have more electric vehicles than we have vehicles in total. So it's, it's a different story. But for us, we have, you know, like I said, 170 to 180. And then in terms of fully electric vehicles, or, you know, partially electric vehicles, plug in hybrids, I think we're up to about 25, 26. Um, you know, we've ordered a few vehicles this year, where we're still waiting for, I think, three vehicles to, to show up, we're hopeful they're going to come in soon. But um, I'll say, you know, it's, it's just like a regular person right now, buying a vehicle is, is difficult. That chip shortage is, is really hitting us hard. Yeah, I was just about to ask if you guys were feeling the, uh, the effects of the supply chain issues, if that's altered your planning at all. Yeah, I mean, so we've, we have instances where we've bought vehicles, you know, six, seven months ago, and we're still waiting for them to come in, you know, and it has a lot to do with the vehicle shortages here right now. I think there's also just the, the huge demand you know, that we're starting to see for electric vehicles, you know, we're starting to compete with some of our other, you know, municipal brothers and, and sisters and trying to get these vehicles in. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's, it's definitely an impact. It's making us think ahead and say, okay, we're going to need a vehicle next year. You know, we can't wait until two months, you know, and when we're going to need a vehicle two months from now, we're going to have to buy it, you know, six, seven months in advance and, and really have to say to departments, you know, this might not get here when we, when we originally hoped it would. Yeah, so can you talk a little bit about um, just like the, the state of the, there's the county's Green Fleet Capital Plan, which was yeah. implemented in 2020, and that was that was mentioned in the article. Um, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about that and where it's at um, yeah. right now? Yeah, I think that's one of the, the more exciting things in, in my, you know, conversations with other municipalities, other counties around the state, you know, one of the more unique things that, that our legislature has committed us to doing. And, and so essentially, a probably two years ago, you know, uh, our county administrator at the time, you know, set out a plan to get the county to get to net zero emissions, you know, for our government operations on a pretty fast track. And so part of that was a commitment, you know, $30 million to go to our, our facilities. And, you know, I think it was like another four or 5 million for our fleet. And, and what that ended up looking like for our fleet was the creation of a green fleet capital fund. And so every year we have $350,000 being committed into that capital fund. And it's there for us to pull and, and draw from to help offset the increased cost of vehicles, to, to pilot new technologies, to fund that infrastructure, um, you know, to fund upgrades to existing infrastructure that we might have. And it's, it's a fantastic resource. You know, we no longer have departments that are like, you know, hey, we, you know, you want us to buy this vehicle, we don't have enough funding for it. We can come to them and say, hey, we can cover the difference. Or, you know, departments might, you know, have a vehicle breakdown out of nowhere and they might be looking for something quickly. We can say, hey, let's use this Green Fleet Capital Fund to make sure that we're buying a vehicle that makes sense for, for our climate goals. Um, and so I think that's just, you know, it's incredibly important. We, this was the first year of actually having the funding being available to use. And it's, it's been fantastic. You know, like I've said, we've used it to, to, I think we've purchased, I want to say five or six vehicles and we've helped offset, you know, the cost of some other vehicles as well. So it's been really well received by a lot of our departments. Great. So during last year's budget negotiations, um, counties were able to secure a victory um, in that DEC um, through their zero emissions rebate 
program uh, increase the threshold that a municipality is eligible to receive for electric vehicle purchases. Are EVs now more cost-effective using the new DEC ZEV model than gas-powered vehicles? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think it depends on the vehicle, you know, by and large. Um, you know, small passenger vehicles, yeah, I, I think very much so. I mean, when we were going out to bid, we were seeing, you know, really competitive bids. You know, and that was before you even factor in the, the DECs have rebates, um, you know, which can get pretty generous if you're going with a fully electric vehicle, you know, if they're up to $7,500, you know, and so when we're getting bids for vehicles that are, you know, 27, 2800, you know, 27 or $28,000, and you can knock off another 7,500, it's bringing that cost into the low 20s, that's super competitive with, with other passenger vehicles. And so for that, yeah, absolutely. You know, when you get to some of the larger vehicles, you know, the large SUVs, and, you know, we haven't seen trucks really be available to us yet as municipalities, electric trucks, you know, that's where it gets a, a little bit more difficult to, to make the economics fully pencil out to be exactly equal. Um, but what we do look at is also the, the maintenance savings over time, which we're, we're certainly seeing. We're looking at the gas savings over time. So we're in a region of New York State where electricity prices are particularly low, especially in comparison to the city or Long Island. Um, so we certainly see you know, operations savings as well. So that, that's really fantastic. Um, but it, yeah, it does make it cost competitive. But you know, I, I'll say the one thing that is a little bit tricky with the DEC rebates is that, you know, the, the state has said that the rebates are only available if you receive the vehicle from um, dealerships that are located in New York state, you know, and it's trying to spur the local, you know, dealerships to, to adopt electric vehicles as well and to offer them. And, you know, while we're fully supportive of that goal, you know, especially right now when it's difficult to get any vehicle, um, you know, it, that can be a hindrance. You know, we've bought a couple of vehicles, unfortunately, be, you know, before we realized that change that were from dealerships in New Jersey, you know, and so we're not able to collect on that incentive. And, you know, there's national, you know, there's a mayor's collective for electric vehicles that does national sourcing, you know, and has some models available that we haven't really been able to, to get on, you know, through the, the OGS, the, you know, general services contracts that, you know, we'd love to take advantage of, but then we miss out on the, the rebate. So, you know, we love the rebate. We're very happy about it. I don't want anyone to, to you know, mischaracterize my, my, my passion for it, but um, it, it's not always the, the thing that's going to, to help spur us on as much as we would like. So, yeah, speaking of, you know, government, um, you know, in this, in this case, state government, but transitioning to federal government investment, in green energy, the president recently signed into law the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, better known as the bipartisan infrastructure deal. Um, can you talk a little bit about how this legislation might help Tompkins County, uh, counties in general, continue to move forward uh, with green energy initiatives? You know, Tom, I wish you could tell me. Right? <laughs> you know, I think right now we're in a situation where I think we're all trying to figure out exactly what this funding is going to look like. You know, I've I've read a bunch of things. I've talked to people, heard a you know a few different things. I know that there was just an article in one of our local papers that our our local transit uh, group TCAT, um, you know, that that runs our buses is I think going to get something like seventeen million dollars from the infrastructure package. 
Um, and they're going to use a lot of that to try and transition, you know, our fleet further into electric buses. They already, I think, have seven. And so they're going to continue that on, which is, you know, amazing to see. You know, for the county itself, you know, we're hoping to see that funding trickle down into, you know, being able to, you know, further electrify our fleet, you know, and especially for infrastructure. Um, you know, the other thing I'll say about the infrastructure bill that I think, you know, kind of maybe gets lost a little bit in the works, you know, when it comes to electric vehicles is just the funding that, you know, is hopefully going to be available to the, the utilities to help upgrade our transmission and distribution system. You know, we've already had conversations with NYSEG, you know, about what that's going to look like when the county vehicles are fully electrified and everyone else, you know, residents and, and businesses are starting to electrify their their vehicles as well. And that's not even taking into account buildings that also need to be electrified. And so we're going to need, you know, pretty massive, you know, investment into transmission and distribution and non-wires alternatives. And I think that's something that it looks like the infrastructure bill is going to put some funding towards. So we're, we're really happy about that. And as we're, you know, getting close to the, to the end of uh, our time together, um, what else is on the horizon for Tompkins County for as far as green energy and uh, projects and initiatives? And so I saw in the article, uh, green facilities capital plan. Um, maybe you talk a little bit about that or just whatever else is going on in the county. Yeah, you know, when we set out to, you know, when we I was asked to write this article, the first thing people wanted us to actually talk about was our facilities plan, but it was still kind of right in the, the midst of the project. And so since, you know, we've written the article, uh, our legislature has approved, you know, just over $7 million for phase one of our green facilities plan. And so what that's going to allow us to do is, you know, we're, we have a partnership with a, a company called Johnson Controls, and we're working with them to basically take a look at our facilities and to see how we can get them to reduce natural gas and, and fossil fuel usage as much as possible. Um, part and parcel with that is energy efficiency, you know, really starting to, to dive into weatherization and plug loads, lighting upgrades, um, you know, changing out the HVAC systems. You know, earlier today, you know, I was meeting with our facilities director, Johnson Controls, and, and you know, another planner who works more on resiliency issues. And we were looking at, you know, a battery storage system, you know, paired with a solar carport, excuse me, solar carport at our uh, human services building, you know, and that would be a, a really incredible project to see as well. So, you know, the green facilities plan is basically a three-phase plan to what we're trying to do with vehicles, you know, get them to, to zero emissions. We're going to start trying to do the same thing with our, with our facilities, you know, so we're super excited about that, you know, and, and pairing them together. You know, the other thing that we're, we're really excited about and that is starting to make waves in the news is, you know, our county seat, as I said, is the city of Ithaca, New York. And you know, they have a sustainability director, Luis Aguirre Torres, who's come in and you know really shaken things up and has this incredible electrification plan that has you know featured in national and international news and essentially is trying to to you know help electrify residences you know around the city. And so we're trying to do what we can to support you know not only the city of Ithaca but you know a lot of our municipal governments, you know, our, our local you know, towns, villages, as well as the city in their plans to help their residents and their community. So, you know, we're focused on our government operations, you know, trying to get our own house in order, but, you know, increasingly we're starting to look outside of, of our government operations to see, you know, how can we help everyone else? As I was listening to you just now, um, I got to thinking, this sounds like a really interesting job that you have. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but 
would you mind talking a little bit about how you came to this position of chief sustainability officer? What was your, your journey to it? And if anybody's listening who might be interested yeah. in, you know, helping combat climate change, is this a, you know, a, an avenue that they might pursue? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I will say, um, you know, I'm fairly new to the position, right? I've only been with the county for, a, you know, under six months now, you know, and this, this chief sustainability officer is brand new. It was, you know, just created in Tompkins County this year, um, you know, and so for me, I come, you know, from a background, I worked for Cornell Cooperative Extension of Tompkins County for a number of years, and I was working in, in managing the Clean Energy Communities Program on, on behalf of, uh, you know, CCE Tompkins um, and NYSERDA in the Southern Tier. So I was fortunate enough to get to work with municipal governments, including Tompkins County, you know, across the Southern Tier, you know, from Delaware County out in the East to, um, you know, Steuben County out in the West, and, you know, basically working with local governments to take a look at their buildings, um, look at their local laws, to look at their vehicles, to start to, you know, think, you know, what are the easy things they can do, and then try and, you know, work with them to slowly get to the harder things. Um, you know, my background actually isn't in, in energy at all. I, you know, I studied international relations and then, you know, um, public relations. And so I was super passionate about energy and the environment and kind of dove into the energy work. And, you know, here I am today where, you know, occasionally I sound like I know what I'm talking about. That's awesome. You had me completely fooled. So <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. Um, so just to wrap up here, um, what advice would you give to your peers in county government as they are making the transition to electric vehicle fleets and, and taking on other green energy initiatives? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing I would say is, you know, none of us have to reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, so much of, of what's going on in Tompkins County is also being done in, in other counties as well. You know, and we're learning from our peers and, you know, I like to think that some of them are learning from us. And so, you know, I encourage, you know, county governments, other municipal governments to, to reach out to one another, to, to share our knowledge. Um, you know, we go faster together, you know, and so working, you know, I have regular conversations with colleagues in Ulster County and, you know, we just started to have a, a big conversation with, you know, uh, Suffolk County and, and Westchester and Albany County and a whole group of, of counties looking together at electric vehicles and, and what we can do together. So, you know, whether it's the, the fleet, whether it's the facilities, whatever it might be, you know, definitely reach out um, to me, to others and, and see what's going on and, and what we can learn from each other. And, and hopefully we can help this spread. Well, today we've been joined by Tompkins County Chief Sustainability Officer, Terry Carroll. Terry, thank you so much for taking some time to have this conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed it and I'm sure our listeners will too. Thanks for having me, Thomas, it was great. listening to this episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in for more county government-focused conversations, and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.